Wow, that guy means business. Just an amazing player. No, not him, the sports photographer behind him. Uh, what? He has a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where he earns 5% annual percentage yield, so he's scoring big on and off the field. You might even say he's the MVB. MVB? The most valuable business. Making your money work harder. That's how you business differently. Intuit QuickBooks. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes are in APY. APY can change at any time. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business, and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, editor-at-large of Recode. You may know me as someone who would never live in Los Angeles, too much competition from other people wearing sunglasses all the time. But in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today in the red chair is Eric Garcetti, the mayor of Los Angeles, which I love. I actually love Los Angeles. I was driving around today and thinking that. He was first elected to the post in 2013 and was re-elected last year. We're going to talk about the state of local politics, the tech scene in LA, and much more. Eric, welcome to Recode Decode. Thank I you, have to Kara. say mayor, right? No, no, Eric, please. Is that okay? No, no, yeah. Mayor I'm, Eric? As I tell my daughter, that's just a title for a little bit. I'm, I'm your daddy. <laughs> it's a good It's a good title. Maya's it's daddy. A, it's an excellent title. So we're going to talk about a range of things, including yep. uh, national politics, which you've been discussed mm-hmm. running for president and things like that. Let's start first in Los Angeles. Yeah. Talk a little bit about your background that people mm-hmm. don't know you. Sure. Go through it just a, very quickly. I'm, I'm one of these rare natives of Los Angeles, actually a fourth generation uh, Angelino. My newest uh, family member to come here is my grandfather over 100 years ago. Um, but I represent the city's absolute sprawling and beautiful diversity. I'm half Mexican, half Jewish with an Italian last name. Mm-hmm. I grew up in the San Fernando Valley, which was where the Brady Bunch home was and right. kind of the middle of uh, nowhere in the middle of everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and grew up, um, you know, Pretty anonymously, I think people think I grew up in politics because my dad later, after I was in college, ran for district attorney. But Mm -hmm. he was a prosecutor, just a line prosecutor growing up. My mom worked uh, in charitable foundations and grew up in a very kind of middle class uh, San Fernando Valley life as Valley Girl came out and Mm -hmm. thought I always wanted to do something to change the world. Um, But I figured that might be... My my parents raised me with that um, Mm -hmm. ethic. My dad was doing that. My mom was doing that. They gave me a lot of free reign growing up. So I, I traveled to Ethiopia in high school to help out with medical relief work. I, in college, lived in the jungles of Burma with the democratic resistance that was there. I got a degree in human rights. They encouraged me and my sister to be exchange students. They had met from opposite uh, sides of the track here in LA at Pan Am Airlines. Oh. And so I think they had a very Pan kind of Am. global, yeah, the great Pan Am Airlines. TWA. They fell in love, got married six weeks after the first date. Wow. And so the world was a very important place for them where they kind of fell in love and they always wanted us to see the world on the streets of our city and vice versa to see kind of LA on the streets of the world. So Mm -hmm. I always felt comfortable almost being anywhere though I always knew I'd come back home. Mm -hmm. And Todd is a professor um, when I came back, diplomacy and world affairs, international human rights work Mm -hmm. and ran for city council. And why? Somebody suggested it to me, my predecessor on the city council's chief of staff, and she'd probably suggested it to a dozen people, Mm -hmm. but I couldn't get out of my head. It was definitely not something I'd ever thought of doing. I didn't know who my city council member was growing up. 
But I realized, why, why am I going far away places to work on human rights when those issues are right here? Mm -hmm. And this is the most global city in the world. Right. And, and I always give this advice to young people, don't run off to DC, don't go abroad until you set your roots down someplace because the work you do in America today is as diverse as anything you'll do around sure. the world. And uh, you can't kind of grow into that if you don't start someplace. Right. But Paul, that was the first time you were in politics. Yeah. I mean, I'd worked on campaigns. I'd helped mm -hmm. out, you know, my dad in one of his reelections. I had worked for Kathleen Brown's campaign for oh, yeah. governor way back when, yeah. when we took a 15 point lead and lost my 15 points. Yeah, nice. Well Good, good swing. Well <laughs> nice thing about losing campaigns is everybody stays friends because there's no yeah. spoils to divide. Right, right, right. Um, uh, but I, you know, worked on, against Prop 187 out mm -hmm. here as a Latino, kind of seeing that attack on immigrants prescient to what's happening now. Um, so I'd been involved in politics. I thought maybe way later in my life I'd get involved, but at 29, I got a new pair of shoes and started walking door to door and loved it. It mm -hmm. was scary. I don't like bothering people, mm -hmm. but I found myself, like I was going to be a journalist. I actually took a oh, couple wow. classes at, okay. at Columbia J School where I know you went. And then I hated it because I had to ask strangers questions, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is kind of oh. ironic doing yeah. what I do right now. Right, but I loved it the question, when the questions were about something I might be able to do to help them. And I wore holes through that shoe, uh, did those you, shoes. Did you work on the Bronx Beat? Do you remember that was the thing? They put that out for No, oh, no, I, yeah, the Bronx Beat, actually, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. The, mm -hmm. the one class I took, yeah. I was over at, at the School of International Public Affairs and yeah. cross-fertilizing. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you ran for city council and then mayor. What were you hoping to do as mayor? Well, after 12 years of serving a, a neighborhood in the heart of L.A. that really um, had dramatic turnaround and mm -hmm. kind of the bohemian heart and working class and immigrant heart of L.A., the heart of the LGBT community, I... I saw the potential of what we could do taking that citywide to re really revitalize areas without pushing people out of them, uh, to build an infrastructure, thinking about the future and harness what mass participation can do. I mean, mm -hmm. to the most seemingly unsexy of, of topics, but things like graffiti, which just wear you down. When we enlisted a few hundred people to help us know where the graffiti was, we reduced graffiti by like 90% mm -hmm. and counted it every year. And, you know, so I think a lot of people are so cynical about government. There's no role in me, for me to play in it, they think. And secondly, they just tell me the good news. And I, I learned to open up the process to teach people the basic skills of how City Hall works, mm -hmm. to be kind of a teacher like I was before. And even if you teach people who are going to be against you, right. that's okay. Um, and so as mayor, I saw th kind of three things in LA. We had taken our eyes off the basic city services. People right. hire you to run a city. And that just paving the streets, picking up the trash, all of that. Second was our infrastructure was crumbling from public transportation to, you know, our electrical infrastructure, everything. And I wanted to invest in that for the next 50 years. And three, I wanted to invest in the economy of the future. And I think LA had been very lazy about our legacy. Because aerospace had been aerospace, aerospace and Hollywood. Hollywood, but we were letting right. those things go away. When Northrop left LA with its headquarters, no elected official besides one, I think, even called them. Mm -hmm. um, we were letting other states when you put tax credits through to get production. So the studios were still based here, but the productions weren't. Right, they were and then there's emerging digital technology, biotechnology, and other industries like financial services or healthcare that had always been huge here, but we'd never marketed them, grown mm -hmm. them. So I wanted to kind of strategically build a city um, mm -hmm. from its infrastructure to its services to its economy. So let's talk about each of those, the, the, the issues around city services. They've gotten, I mean, a lot of the big cities, everyone's living in them. Mm -hmm. They're moving more and more to cities yep. in the next century that's all that's all that's going to people yeah. are going to be mostly living in cities and countries like China and others are doing a lot around infrastructure of cities and how cities mm -hmm. are 
created and formulated. So one of the, obviously Los Angeles is a real challenge given Mm -hmm. how spread out it is compared to a San Francisco or a New York or a Chicago. Where do you imagine, where are we thinking about cities right now? Because in a lot of ways, San Francisco, as we talked Mm -hmm. about before, become unlivable. Mm -hmm. There's a lot going on with homelessness, with all kinds of things that are really reaching a crisis point Mm -hmm. in that city. What do you think the big challenges big cities face? And L.A. certainly isn't immune from those. There's these increasingly kind of winner cities and and loser cities, loser Mm -hmm. cities that people in regional areas uh, are bypassing, Mm -hmm. and then these mega cities that everybody's coming to, which is um, really pushing them past the boundaries in terms of infrastructure that Mm -hmm. if you don't build transportation to accommodate that and housing, those two things, they can become unlivable. L.A.'s kind of seized the bull by the horns, and... We passed three measures, the largest in the country's history each. These infrastructure. For homeless services, homeless housing, and for um, transportation. So we passed a permanent, just to give you the idea of the scale, it's for the next 40 years, $120 billion, 15 Mm -hmm. new uh, rapid transit lines at the The same time in a city. Uh, Subway, light, and and busways, um, Mm -hmm. as well as fixing streets. It's 787,000 jobs, Mm -hmm. careers, I should actually say, because it's not just a two-year-off thing. Mm -hmm. And... I think that positions LA to build a brand new city. There's nothing that will be as fundamental to the transformation of a city than how you lay down those networks. And if you build affordable housing around where you put your transportation, you don't compound the problem, you actually can solve it. And I do look at cities like in China and other places where the scale of imagination is so much bigger and bolder. Mm -hmm. LA is one of the few Western cities now to say we can be in that club. Mm -hmm. And some people want to snap their fingers and say, get rid of traffic tomorrow, get rid of homelessness tomorrow. I feel more confident about being able to do those two things in the next decade than we ever have. And I see too many cities around the country where they're just starting to confront the, the, the scale mm-hmm. and the magnitude What's of happened? that happened? Why do you think that has happened to cities like this? Well, it depends on which problem. I mean, for homelessness is an expression of a lot of trauma. It's right. everything from mental health and drugs and PTSD and emancipation, foster care and rape and sexual domestic violence combined with high rents. I mean, mm-hmm. those are the two things. So right. high rent and trauma combines into homelessness, but you don't have to be homeless to feel the housing crunch, which is just that people have said no for too mm-hmm. long. What's beautiful to see is there's an emerging, not spurned on by developers or city hall group of residents here that are saying, go denser, go higher. Mm-hmm. I want to stay in this city. I love this place. But, you know, I was talking to one guy who bought his, his grandfather bought his house in the San Fernando Valley, $5,000. Mm-hmm. His dad for 50000 He works in the film industry as like a lighting guy. Mm-hmm. He bought it for 500000 But he said, my daughter, if she has to buy a home for $5 million, our story ends right. in L.A. Right. And so for me, it's all about the middle class. You have to build middle class housing. You have to build middle class wages. You have to build middle class transportation networks. And I think L.A. is better poised than any other big city in America to do that. But I've also been networking with other cities because it's an exciting time. Mm-hmm. Washington wants to do 200 billion of, of infrastructure and the president produced zero. zero. The same night Trump was elected, American cities, including ours with Measure M that I just talked about, passed $230 billion mm-hmm. in a single night. Mm-hmm. So part of my message too is don't wait for Washington. Right. There is no cavalry. That's not the way the country has ever been constructed. And we hope there'll be better partners, but in the meantime, take action mm-hmm. where you are. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I'm just reading the Andrew Jackson biography to try to understand yeah. our state better. It's the same exact <laughs> debate that was going. He's very different than people portray him. It's a much more complex political yeah. figure yep. than other. And he was a builder. <laughs> he was, but he didn't, what, this, the section I'm mm-hmm. in now is national versus local right. infrastructure and the fight. And he vetoed a bill yeah, right. to do local infrastructure, which is yep. potentially pork barrel yep. politics, essentially. Well, look, and that always, always can happen, but I think that we all know now we have the worst communications, transportation, and energy 
networks, infrastructure in the developed world. Absolutely. And imagine if we had Washington leadership that placed assistance in helping local governments get that work done mm -hmm. and then took care of the stuff that no local government can do in rural areas and other places. That's what our federal government at its best has always done. Right, but has not been doing right now. Absolutely not. Yeah. Missing so, so the, the issues you face, housing, mm -hmm. affordable housing, yeah. which goes along with transportation. Absolutely. What do you imagine is your biggest challenge right now among those three? I think it's it's bringing the cost down. You know, mm -hmm. it, as somebody in tech, most of our tech revolution has been two-dimensional. It's mm -hmm. been how we can communicate with our kids on FaceTime and, you know, one-click ordering. I think it's entering the three-dimensional space. Mm -hmm. So there's a couple things. One, I want us to be the transportation technology capital of the world, and we're mm -hmm. doing a lot of things to kind of bet on everything. You just kind of brag that you're going to be the first... Nobody's claimed autonomous, it. Autonomous, I think you yeah. have to, uh, not just autonomous. I, mean, I think it's the mayor of Phoenix has, but go ahead. <laughs> Greg Stanton, <laughs> yeah. my buddy. Well, yeah, exactly. Not so. in the best way, but uh, yeah. Greg's a dear friend. But I think there's no place when you think of the way you think about entertainment in LA mm -hmm. or um, digital tech up in the Bay Area or finance in New York. There's no place that can like claim, oh, that's the transportation technology capital. We've right. got the dollars, the innovation, the aerospace, the engineers, like all mm -hmm. of that to try it from, you know, uh, the boring company tunneling underneath us to mm -hmm. gondolas to Dodger Stadium to the the more traditional ways and autonomy. But secondly, I think the other three-dimensional tech revolution ta should be happening is housing. Mm -hmm. Why is it that we still build things so slowly, so expensive? Now, part of that's us. It's either red tape or our own opposition mm -hmm. to building something. The government, you mean? Or, or communities, just mm -hmm. neighbors saying, no, mm -hmm. don't build that in my backyard. Right. So it's both. But the third area where we can really be much more disruptive is we can build things for cheaper. We just got people into uh, housing for formerly uh, homeless uh, Angelinos for about $109,000 a door last month. Mm -hmm. It's on average four to $500,000 to do that in traditional ways. Right. So figuring out a way to create land by going high and you have free land. Mm -hmm. With density um, like they do in Europe. Exactly. Or prefab and more factory style construction mm -hmm. is really, I think, one of the areas where we can so in California. Housing. Yeah, modular or just uh, it, part of it's modular and part of it is just we have a lot of specialized people who do specialized things for construction instead mm -hmm. of a, a car it doesn't get sent, have five different types of workers come in to work on it. Right. You have one person on the assembly line or right. one group of people. Right. Um, and I think we can do that with housing. So is housing homelessness mm -hmm. and then creating jobs with good And good wage jobs. I mean, right. we raise the minimum wage here, uh, biggest city to do it to $15 an hour. Mm -hmm. Which I don't Did discount. Did Jeff Bezos it's, copy you? I hope so. Yeah. It was $3.4 million every working hour is the mm -hmm. stat for about 650,000 families. So mm -hmm. that's, and, and disproportionately women. Mm -hmm. But second, it's going for the $50 an hour jobs. Mm -hmm. I mean, LA, I don't want LA to turn into the way Manhattan feels like, you know, the very successful and then the service economy serving mm -hmm. them and nothing in between. And I think, you know, that's why passing Measure M was so important. Those are really up the middle, middle-class jobs that pay mm -hmm. between, let's say, 30 and $100 an hour mm -hmm. so people can have a home, um, you know, send their kids to college. And along those lines, the biggest gap cities have to confront and our economy does is the gap between having college degree or not. So we made right. community college free here, the biggest mm -hmm. city in America to do so. And the first year we boosted out of our public schools college attendance by 40 percent mm -hmm. in our community colleges. So getting that, that good paying job is about that pipeline of education, internships, um, apprenticeships, and just building an economy around so those jobs. So when you're thinking of that, that you're, you're almost running, these cities are now to me like nation states as far as I Absolutely. can tell. You know, with they're running them and doing different things. Um, very little is iterated from city to city, yeah. which I think is, you know, Mayor Bloomberg's trying to do that yeah. with his efforts, the right. city's efforts they're trying to do. But the concept is that these are, where a lot of the change is coming is from these cities and mm -hmm. ideas are coming versus federally. 
from doing it Absolutely. from a federal. I mean, in the past, it was what states were the great laboratories of democracy, Brandeis said. It's, it's now cities. Mm-hmm. And that's not new. The number of people living in cities is new. The speed of innovation is new. Mm-hmm. But that's where politics started. I mean, the Greek word for city is polis, mm-hmm. which is the same root of the word politics. Mm-hmm. And they, those two places, I think, intersected. You came to the city to engage in politics. And right now, that's where the innovation is occurring deeply. And I, I agree with you, it doesn't spread quickly enough. And so one of the things I did is found a group called Accelerator for America. Mm-hmm. that isn't a think tank, it's a do tank, where we literally put people on the ground saying, you know, Louisville has a great idea, let's do that in four more cities. LA is doing something cool, you know, could we help Washington DC right. do that? Right. And putting people on the ground to accelerate that instead of being a decade, maybe in a year or two. All right, so let me ask you, uh, we're gonna talk about California in the next section, but what do you think you've done wrong? Oh, give, give me a list. Um, I'm always one <laughs> to face up. I, I, wrong? My, my wrongest wrong was, I think in LA in general and in California in general, we've been too slow to own up to this housing crisis. I mm-hmm. mean, I, I've been here on the city council, so I don't just blame some other right. administration. Right. But on homelessness, I, I think another thing- California le- has most of the homeless people in this country, right? Uh, Is that correct? It's some most, enormous but close amount. to, close yeah. to. And we have the most raw numbers here in Los Angeles. Right. Um, but not the most proportionally, but most raw numbers. I think also deferring too much early on. I'm by nature a small deferring d Democrat. Meaning. Like let's build consensus. Let's talk to everybody. When I realized time is really short, people you like to be a you fascist. just go in and make decisions and do <laughs> right. it, whether it's with your own team or sometimes in the city, um, that too much process can kill. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of learned from that. I hope I'm doing that a, a lot quicker. But early on, it was like, no, let's let's talk to everybody. Mm-hmm. When I find when you actually take action, it changes the conversation because sure. people see the change. Just they making a declaration. It, but just do just it. make a declaration yeah. like you'd say, no more cars in yeah. Los Angeles Absolutely. by 2020. Yep. Yep. Just saying something like yep. that. Yeah, something and it like changes that, right. the conversation. That was giving me my hope. Yeah, that's, that's what, what I'm proposing. Agenda? Yeah, yeah, I was just going to say things like that. Crazy stuff. I think that the the funny thing about being a mayor today is stuff that seemed crazy, like, even two or three years ago, mm-hmm. now is normal. Such I mean, as? 100% renewable power. Mm-hmm. We own the largest um, municipal utility in the United States, our mm-hmm. Los Angeles Department of Water and Power. And I said 100%. Now, five years ago, I would have been saying, okay, let's get to 50 mm-hmm. or 60. Mm-hmm. And just recognizing that or saying every autonomous vehicle that's going to come into LA needs to be electric mm-hmm. and shared, which is something I think we're going to announce soon. Mm-hmm. Um, that... Everyone me, that comes into Los Angeles. No, every autonomous vehicle. Autonomous every, vehicle. So, so for all the companies that are going to have autonomous right. shared vehicles, that they all be EVs. And it won't be too long, I think, before we're all saying, hey, no more internal combustion engines, except in some very rare cases. Right, right. You just and, have to and, declare but it. two or three years ago, that was still such a huge stretch. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're here with Mayor Garcetti of Los Angeles, Eric Garcetti, and we're talking about Los Angeles. Soon we're going to turn to California when we get back. Wow, that guy means business. Just an amazing player. No, not him, the sports photographer behind him. Uh, what? He has a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where he earns 5% annual percentage yield, so he's scoring big on and off the field. You might even say he's the MVB. MVB? The most valuable business. Making your money work harder. That's how you business differently. Intuit QuickBooks. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes are an APY. APY can change at any time. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate, no coding required. 
grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. We're back with Mayor Eric Garcetti. He's the mayor of Los Angeles. Go say your Dodgers thing. We were just saying how much it's I hate It's time baseball. to play Dodgers. Uh, it's, as we're taping this, and who knows in the future while you're listening to this what happened, but Dodgers... Aren't the Giants in San Francisco better? No, right. not this year. They're not even in the playoffs. All right, but, we but they were better. Right? Didn't we win some World Series no, of some sort? All no. right, okay, whatever. Let's move on. Let's talk about California. One of the things that's really interesting that's happening in California right now is they're passing a lot of bills that are yes. national bills yeah. that, uh, around privacy, around diversity, yep. around everything. Everything seems to be a nationally yep. based bill. Talk a little bit about that, why California, it seems like California is going to be in a position of governing in a lot of ways. I think California doesn't cede the power it has before we exercise it, mm -hmm. whether that's at the state level or local level. Mm -hmm. I mean, if time's up or me too, why not do something about it instead mm -hmm. of just trying to support uh, survivors who are coming forward. In the city of LA in six months, I made over half of our uh, commissioners for the first time. And there's about 300 of them that run the port and the airport and the mm -hmm. police department, women. Mm -hmm. And the Public sector has always seen it slow, mm -hmm. right? You know, we do things yeah. much slower than the private sector. And I said, if we could do that in six months, why aren't you doing it too? So to pass something like that here mm -hmm. in California is just, it's like desegregating schools. Just mm -hmm. do it. And mm -hmm. instead of talking about it, I think Californians are much, uh, and we don't do everything perfectly, but we're, we will take that kind of American, test it, try it, something new mm -hmm. attitude. And it is more concentrated here, I'd say, than almost any place. So why, what happens when Californians are doing these things? Because I think, again, from the privacy bill, from a tech point of view, mm -hmm. a lot of people are calling for pri yep. uh, more privacy. There's never going to, I mean, I just wrote a story in the Times about this Internet Bill of Rights federally, but no one's moving to do those yep. things. And, but California passed probably the most, the strongest privacy bill in America well, right now, that's, which isn't really, very strong, yeah. by the way. <laughs> it's a low bar. But it's a low bar. It's like being the, the tallest building in Dubuque, but it's, it's, <laughs> we're going to get there. I think that California doing that is is absolutely critical because Washington doesn't get tech, and right. I think they look to California for leadership. And if we're doing it to quote unquote ourselves, mm -hmm. that's a really good sign. Secondly, I think as well that you know we're the folks who I, I think people want to stereotype us as just we're just the big tech companies as opposed to folks who are, are the kind of tech entrepreneurs. Right. And so people who know what they're talking about and also value privacy can actually write the architecture of this well. Can redo the architecture of the internet right now, mm -hmm. which is based on the data being owned by somebody else sure. rather than a, a blockchain way of kind of coming down mm -hmm. and grabbing your uh, data when you say yes. That's mm -hmm. consent, you know, for privacy. And these things that lead the way, I mean, I think most people usually copy them coming out of California. Mm -hmm. And they might not, they might make fun of them early on, but, you know, Iowa's a red state and mm -hmm. they're 31% wind power, even right. though it's California who was talking about it first. So, right. you know, we're not so cocky that we don't, learn from other places or that we're always the best. I'm not a California, uh, you know, supremacist, but I do believe that, um, you don't want to break the, break the, the state away. You're not on no that. Way, no way. No <laughs> way. Who do you think I, of that? I, I think it's crazy. I mean, I do get the, the argument of splitting it up into pieces because why should we have only two senators in another state right, with, right. you know, one hundredth the population You get the idea, but you're not yeah. for it, right? Well, I don't want to break away from this country. I mean, right. I love California being part of America right. and vice right. versa. I think we, we are a, a vision of America and right now it's going to be a Pacific century. Mm -hmm. We're going to be this gateway to American ideas, hopefully American America winning that future as well. And instead of retreating from it the way we kind of see out of DC. So California... Look, California makes mistakes. We overregulate. Um, we sometimes tax Taxes. too much. We, uh, we get in our own way of building things quickly, uh, to our point earlier on infrastructure. But by and large, most things that we do are usually what's next. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it's what attracts people to come from all over America to live here and all over the world to come here. So I think those things on privacy, on energy, 
on building infrastructure, creating good middle-class jobs. That's something that hopefully we can share with America. And one last point, this BS that suddenly there's like the coast and the heartland. Yeah. Like we've got so much heartland inside California. Mm -hmm. It's almost like a mini laboratory for America. Right. The Central Valley or even in zip codes or neighborhoods in the city right here, even though everybody thinks LA is just, you know, Kardashians and, and reality shows. We, we have a lot of bus drivers, nurses, people struggling mm -hmm. with the same issues, but we have the ability, I think, to give a vision of belonging that mm -hmm. right now a lot of Americans don't feel. Right, but most people, when they, you're, they think exactly that. It's elite, cultural. How do you think about that when they have the co the elites versus the... We'll talk about that next in the next period, but yeah. there is that developing within California. How do you change that? Well, it's nice being mayor because I can't believe that for a second because most mm -hmm. of the people I, I represent, four million people are everyday folks or folks even struggling mm -hmm. um, and, and hitting hard times. So... We caricature each other across America right now. We caricature by color, by political party, by region, by rural versus urban. I do think Washington, D.C. has unified us into two Americas, but it's kind mm -hmm. of Washington and the rest of us. Mm -hmm. And everybody feels a connection with local community. And you know, we'll talk more next what segment. What do you mean, Was Washington and the rest of us? Meaning people, like Washington is the place, place that's fundamentally out of touch and talking about stuff that the rest of America isn't. Right. We sometimes watch that circus. Some people are consumed by watching the circus. Mm -hmm. But 90% of our work is where are kids going to school and what's going on in the neighborhood? Mm -hmm. What's the street I drive on like? Is there a park to go to? I mean, it's it, what kind of job, what kind of dating pool? Mm -hmm. You know, all those things are local. They're not mm -hmm. coming out of D.C. And D.C. has a conversation that seems completely removed from that. Mm -hmm. Even today, I think it's split us into two countries, really. Right. Right. So I'm going to stay with California. So when these innovations are coming out of California, mm -hmm. a lot of people feel that it's over mm -hmm. for Cal the California century. Yeah. Essentially, California did create these big tech companies. It isn't very long. It's mm -hmm. about 20 years. Um, and most of them are in Northern California, a few down here. But pretty much all the digital innovation happened mm -hmm. up there. Mm -hmm. Now people feel China is overtaking us mm -hmm. really dramatically. Do you think that you're competing more with China or... The rest if, of the if you're obsessed with just digital technology, maybe, mm -hmm. but that's such a small uh, slice of our economy. Mm -hmm. um, it's been one that we have a very intimate relationship with, so I think it disproportionately consumes our sure. thinking. When most, uh, like we have more tech jobs here than any county in the Bay Area, mm -hmm. but it's a very diverse set of tech jobs. It's biotech, food tech, it's digital right. tech, it's entertainment tech, video game tech, um, aerospace. Mm -hmm. And so it attracts engineers who like to go between different things, but there's no question that you have um, leadership right now that is not investing in winning the future in this country. Mm -hmm. I think California, no way is it over. I think we're still right there. In fact, probably still leading the world. Mm -hmm. But China has made, uh, has put down the markers for sure. Mm -hmm. And our advantage is to compete against the just size of China mm -hmm. is being better on immigration, mm -hmm. is continuing to have great and open uh, academic institutions, good weather and healthy air, mm -hmm. um, and, and if we can preserve the better quality of life that we have. I mean, mm -hmm. those things, people make rational decisions whether they're in tech or not. Sure. Um, and the people who are going to drive the economy of the future, I think, would will pick California for the next 100 years if we, and America mm -hmm. if we play our cards right and invest in the right things. Part of why I want to make LA the transportation technology capital of the world is, you know, you have great companies like Joby and, you know, 
Boring Company and others who are really pushing the envelope. But shame on us if that innovation happens here and then it mostly gets implemented in China mm -hmm. or Dubai or someplace else right. willing to go first. Right. So I think it's really important for us to get out of our own way to test these things mm -hmm. and to make sure that they take off, you know, no pun intended, yes. yeah. here uh, as much as anywhere else. So talk about the Boring Company. You've yeah. been very supportive of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Tell me why, because, you know, Elon's sort of Cause, uh, I, yeah, I mean, personalities uh, all aside. I mean, yeah. Elon and I get on very well. It's the... Mm -hmm. I want to test anything that might give us a shot at relieving traffic. So mm -hmm. whether that's the interconnectivity software, whether it's um, looking at uh, VTOLs, vertical takeoff and landing yep. vehicles, or whether it's the Boring Company, um, we're, we're kind of saying everybody's welcome here. Or the hovercrafts of, of hovercrafts, Larry Page. Uh, I don't, we haven't tested those yet, but yeah. we had... We, oh, we they ha have one. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And we held a conference here for you know Uber Elevate and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, I want people to come to L.A., and figure it out here. It's a really good place to test things because it's dense, but also wide open. Sure. We've got the biggest port in America. So if you want to talk about international trade and logistics, mm -hmm. a great airport, you know, the aerospace workforce, we're still making things here too. When you look at, and you asked that question about whether this in the past, I was visiting for manufacturing week last week, uh, Aerojet Rocketdyne, mm -hmm. which made every rocket that went onto the space shuttles, 100% record. They're still making them. There's 140 jobs open right now. Mm -hmm. They just hired 180. And you'd think reading things, oh, California can never support highway jobs jobs like that. They're mm -hmm. going to go to some place where the taxes are cheaper. What about bringing back manufacturing jobs to the state, um, I think to the area? I don't know if it's ever going to be that frame of bringing back. I think it's mm -hmm. preserving and grabbing the new ones that are there. Mm -hmm. Because they may not on net be ever bigger than it is today because right. it's steadily declined. And sure. by the way, most people don't recognize the decline from about 38% of the economy to less than a third of that today, 11%. Right. Most of that happened between 67 and 76, mm -hmm. half of that. Mm -hmm. So most of it happened a long time ago. Right. It is where it is. But now, yeah, when you go to, to you know, look at welders at uh, Aerojet Rocketdyne, it is folks who are on a screen doing precision welding with a machine, not mm -hmm. somebody holding, you know, the sure. welding equipment. Right. So absolutely, I think we're extremely well poised to do that, as is America. Mm -hmm. I, I was in Iowa and visited in Waterloo, Iowa, next to the John Deere uh, tractor mm -hmm. factory. Mm -hmm. um, some of the, the, one of the two places in America with the most cutting edge 3D printing. The mm -hmm. other one was in Ohio and Youngstown, mm -hmm. where steel mills had closed up. So this cl cliche that it's only happening at an MIT lab or at Stanford mm -hmm. or down here in some aerospace company actually isn't, isn't the case. So absolutely, I think we'll continue to have manufacturing. I put construction with manufacturing for the kind of mm -hmm. that bucket of, of decent jobs with something you do with your hands. But we should be more focused on high paying service jobs, which is what the story of the last 50 years is. That's mm -hmm. now about 40% of our economy. That mm -hmm. manufacturing piece is only about 11%. So yes, we need to. I put focus on that, but that usually comes at the expense of you know, the other ones. And that's also mining you know, coal peaked in 1928. Mm -hmm. We've got a, a president who's only like, what, 88 years behind? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. I know every time he says that I want to, I was in Kentucky and I was like, you're not getting your jobs back. And if they're coming back, the robots will right. be doing it. No, the robots should be doing it. I just went it. in Chicago to this, uh, the science museum there, and there's a coal mine you can go down into. Mm -hmm. and, and you see when it went from pickaxes, mm -hmm. like in the 20s, to machines that did the work of yeah. 100 men. Right. Um, so. That, Probably that, they that's should coming. be doing Yeah, exactly. And I think it's better for our lungs that they did. Yeah, it was interesting. So I want to start with this part about California. Does California now set the agenda anymore? Because it feels like it doesn't. It just, it feels like there's been, you know, there's been a tech clash, like, you know, the, the tech backlash in terms of the responsibility. Oh, no, I, th I still think we absolutely do. But we're going to go through in tech what every big industry did mm -hmm. when it was either monopolies or oligopolies that came through. I think that is that absolutely is going to happen. But we're still 
no question, setting or among the lead in setting the agenda in the What are your world. thoughts on what happened with all these tech companies, all of whom are in California, in the election and the various backlash to social media? Well, if people forget, California isn't a liberal state. It's a libertarian state. Okay. And mostly, libertarian light as it, far as it I'm is, concerned. Well, I mean, traditionally, that's what it's yeah. been. Like, make freeways, let us, uh, you know... Uh, Give us the basic things. Bring us water in mm-hmm. Southern California. Mm-hmm. Steal it if you have to. Right. Give us some power. Right. Build some freeways and then get out of the way. Mm-hmm. And I think they still have that ethic among a lot of people who started companies saying, look, I know this is so disruptive that it empowers me to just like say to government, get out of the way. My experience is there was a lot of cities, mayors, political leaders who kind of were either future phobic, like, mm-hmm. oh, we have to beat Amazon away and mm-hmm. we preserve the, the bookstore. The that local never works. Or taxis or... And the second is everybody else seemed to be in a bucket of future passive. Mm-hmm. Some were really excited about it. Oh, the future's going to be awesome, but just right. I'm going to stay out of the way or depressed about it, but can't do anything. And very few were future guiding. Mm-hmm. And so to me, this comes around to libertarian. We can't afford a libertarian age anymore. Tech by itself isn't going to do something. You always need interpreters, folks who are inside government who understand technology and can say, hey, there's issues many of privacy. Don't. There's, there, right. Most don't, most but that's don't. why you need them. And vice versa, in tech, you don't have many people who really look at the 30,000 foot and all segments of the population needs. They're looking at their market share, they're looking at just I've won and everybody has an account with me. Mm-hmm. When they're, and they're not as concerned with the larger social issues. We need more interpreters between those two sectors and I've tried to be one of those who takes like a bird when they come in with 15,000 electric scooters and people have smiles on their face and it seems like there's some car trips being taken off the road, but there's folks also getting hit by cars and we say, let's sit down and make these rules together. Don't just tell me to get lost mm-hmm. and I won't tell you to get out of my city. Right. Let's figure out a what way did to you do? do? This you together. did you you were doing a sort of middle of the road kind of thing. We're allowing those that are there. There's now, a lot, and I've we're seen riding on. the rules. Yeah, we f- I think fifteen thousand just from Bird yeah. alone. Do you ride them? Uh, I have ridden one. Yeah, yeah. I fun. ride them all. The it's time. great. Yeah, I, I mean, love it's, them. It's, and and I think trying to overly regulate is a mistake. Yeah, and trying to say oh just let them disrupt it on their own inevitably is a mistake too. Mm-hmm. So you know we've and we've infiltrated that culture inside government. Our metro, which is our MTA system, has an office of extraordinary innovation. I didn't what? come up with the name, but it's what? it's basically come a place on. where private companies can come pitch us on transportation right. solutions instead of us engineering the one solution, right, spending two have. years. You guys bid on it, and it costs two times as much. Doesn't work as well. Literally, we have people every day knocking on our door saying, "Here's a quicker way to finance it. Here's a new technology. Let us do something between an Uber and a bus. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys can run it it's still in the public realm, but our software will help get that." So, grandmother. but it is a privati- privatization of public transport. No. No, it's still because that's by where us. I think it's going. I don't. There's going to be some, but the, we're getting pitches as much from private companies who say, "Let us just give you the software." Because if they go out of business, that's a pretty bad thing for a city not to have an right. option. But but there are, there are bus lines in every city because there's the two grandmas who really depend on that to get to the store. Mm-hmm. It only runs once every hour because there's nobody else on it, and you run it at a very expensive cost. When you know you could have something between an Uber and that mm-hmm. running, still owned by the city, but maybe contracted in by another company or just their software. Yeah. And so we're looking very aggressively at that. But my point is you have to put a culture in, in City Hall and you have to put a culture in companies that we do have to talk to each other right. up front when we architect these things. Right. All right, we're here with Mayor Eric Garcetti of Los Angeles. When we get back, we're going to talk about his national aspirations, which apparently are happening. Last week, Kanye West accused one of the biggest Twitch streamers of being an industry plant. It's an idea that comes up so often on platforms like TikTok and elsewhere. You see people who have blown up seemingly overnight, and the question is, who's behind them, right? That's what everyone wants to know. Tipping the scales and pulling the lever to make them seemingly the next it thing on the internet. This week on Power User, is it even possible to create an industry plant on the internet? And if so, how? 
Eurovision is here. This year's contest gets underway this week in Malmö, Sweden, but this year's contest comes with a dose of controversy. I'll give you one guess as to what people are mad about. Yes, correct. It's that. Organizers of the Eurovision Song Contest say they are assessing whether Israel's entry breaks the rules on political neutrality. I think it's a shame. I think there is no way that that Israel should be able to participate in Europe. Pro-Palestinian protesters are taking to the Swedish streets. More than a thousand Swedish artists, including Robin, have called for an Israel ban. Some European politicians are joining them. Charlie Harding from Switched On Pop joins us this week on Today Explained to help us figure out if Europe can sing its way out of this situation. We're here with Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti, and we've been talking about cities in California and Los Angeles and the things they're doing in technology. But let's talk about you and running for president. So? 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 We're going to go back and forth with this. No, no, I, I, it's, look, this just, is a moment. You were just in Iowa, and then you defended Ted Cruz. I wasn't Cruz, just in Iowa. I went like, about four or five. I defended Ted Cruz. Didn't you over the restaurant? You, didn't want, you thought he should be able oh, to Oh, no, God. I guess that's the biggest stretch of, a, of defending Ted Cruz. I rarely <laughs> defend him. But yes, I do think that we should give people uh, private spaces, but uh, yeah. unless they're, you know, crossing extreme, extreme lines. But anyway. Yeah, in any um, case. No, I've, I've been out there, and I've been doing that long before I, I've been straight up about thinking about running for president. I've mm-hmm. been involved in national politics from a local perspective for over a decade, mm-hmm. leading, uh, I was the chair of all the Democratic mayors and council members in the country mm-hmm. for about five or six years. And this year, and I can say this because I'm not running, mm-hmm. it is the most important election in our lives. So yes. I've been in Oklahoma, Mississippi, right. places that have nothing to do with the presidential considerations. I hope every patriot is thinking about what they can do in 2020 mm-hmm. after we get done with the elections in 2018. Um, and I've been straight up about uh, that I'm thinking hard about it. Mm-hmm. I don't know ultimately whether I will or not. I hope some mayors will in mm-hmm. other countries. That's well, explain why. Natural. Why is a mayor better suited? Mayor's never been president, correct? Is that correct? Uh, folks who have been mayor, but never a jump from mayor. I think, right. Like Grover yeah. Cleveland and right. like four or five folks right. who had been mayors. Mayors um, he, what, are executives. Mayor of Buffalo? What was he, he was mayor of Buffalo. Buffalo. Good. Yeah, that's good. right. Good. Thank you. I didn't know you were such a Cleveland I know fan. things. <laughs> Because I'm not spending my time focusing on the Dodgers. But, um, exactly. But, so you're saying I'm losing a lot of my no, brain, no, no, brain no, time. No, 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 it's fine. You can all good. watch your baseball. That's I learned a popular things. You know, thing. there's, there's yeah. metaphors you get. See, now I it. can't really run for anything because I don't <laughs> say I don't like baseball teams. That's okay. Um, I think that mayors run things. They bring people together in a much more nonpartisan way. Mm-hmm. And we're, prog- I mean, I'm a proud progressive. That's not a, a way of saying I'm a centrist. Mm-hmm. But I also can cross over and reduce the city's business tax while I'm raising the minimum wage or invest mm-hmm. in infrastructure and work closely with Republicans and independents while I'm doing that. If I run or not, I hope some mayors will think about it because mm-hmm. I think Americans are fed up with kind of the D.C. Mm-hmm. R- reductionist, partisan tweet, counter-tweet, pretending that's getting something done. Well, that's new. That's new. That's Trump. That's a new thing. No, it's not a- no. Long before Trump, um, I mean, look, Fox became Fox, MSNBC, MSNBC, and I'm glad that there's, like, I, I loved living in England when you mm-hmm. knew what the well, paper's exactly. perspective was. Right, at the Independent but, or the but, Sun. But there's no place I can go to watch the news anymore. Mm-hmm. It's one point, and then it's made, like, for an hour. Mm-hmm. And I'm a person who likes getting things done. I like going out there and saying, look, homelessness is a humanitarian crisis on our streets. I'd love for Washington to be involved. It's not just here. But let's actually get our hands dirty and go mm-hmm. do it. And I think that's, to people, what they're looking for in leadership these days is mm-hmm. folks that... that know something about international trade because we run a port or know something about power because we're mm-hmm. going to 100% renewable power in the utility that we own. 
And right now, D.C. is more interested in th those tweets than in our streets. I mean, mm -hmm. that's something that is Oh, is that your line? Different. I like that. That's a line. It's a little bit of poetry. Okay, there, look, okay. I might have said that at the Women's March. Okay, uh, all right. Okay, good. <laughs> While he's sending us tweets, yeah, we're, we're taking the streets. Okay. But that was kind of right, different. Okay, then. good. Okay, all right. <laughs> I want to be the Dr. Seuss of politics. The tweets seem to politics. be winning, but go ahead. Yeah, I know. How do, how do we get the streets to win again? Uh, the tweets are good. Yeah, He's good at they, Twitter. They are good. Do but you use Twitter? I, I do. You I need use Twitter. to as a presidential yeah, candidate, I know, right? just so you know. Instagram is my okay. fave. Oh, but, is it? Know, yeah, okay. I like that. All right. So getting back yes, to the national. Back to the so national. You, so the reason you would run is because you're a mayor and know how to run things. No. no I, I mean, the other thing is I, I want to add some things to the conversation. Uh, three things. One is I think we're not talking from the Democratic side about freedom. Mm-hmm. And I, what, by freedom, I mean economic freedom. I think it's the most important issue that we face right now is people don't feel free, free mm -hmm. to do things, to be things, for their children to mm -hmm. soar because they're under debt, they're so close to bankruptcy and the economic insecurity, so freedom. Second is a sense of belonging. I hate the, using the words like inclusion and diversity and mm -hmm. tolerance. They, they kind of imply somebody's giving you the privilege of mm -hmm. being at the table. Cities know about a vision of belonging, and I think this country, if you want to run this country, you have to have a vision for this country. And most Democrats, we're bad patriots. We mm -hmm. don't want to describe something that includes everybody. Mm -hmm. We want to have like 51% of us have our vision win. And I think you, we really need to start thinking about something that includes everybody in a sense of belonging. Um, and then I think third is the future. One of the frustrations I had in 2016 was nobody was really talking about the future in any comprehensive way. Right. I mean, Trump obviously was going backwards decades. Mm -hmm. um, Bernie was, was bold, but they weren't new ideas and they weren't necessarily adapting to, to the world as it is today. And Hillary Clinton had a great answer to every incremental question, but there wasn't an overarching vision. There wasn't the sense, you know, China with $100 billion in artificial intelligence and mm -hmm. biotechnology and semiconductors and renewable energy. And those are just categories. Who's talking about the nature of work? Mm -hmm. Where we're going to land? Where we're going to get our meaning? Where mm -hmm. we're going to be unified together? Mm -hmm. uh, how people are going to move? How people are going to be educated? Um, and if we don't catch up, America doesn't inevitably have to be number one. No, not at all. I keep banging the China drop. I'm not. You know, it's interesting that Trump is focused on the tariffs. To yeah. me, he's focused on plastic toys. It's the wrong thing. Yeah. You know, he's always directionally somewhat correct. <laughs> have you ever noticed that? Yeah. Like he's sort of vaguely right about Amazon right. being a little bit scary, but he's. He focuses on the post office. Yeah. No, or, it's, or, it's always like no, no strategy. I, I never say, you know, fair trade rules, 100%. Mm -hmm. I'm with the president mm -hmm. and hopefully every American that we need fair trade rules, but with no strategy and going after the right. wrong things or declaring that, quote, new NAFTA mm -hmm. is some big win. Mm -hmm. No, nothing really changed. And right. you didn't lead us to any, right. any right. new promised land. But, but being president, what qualifies you particularly to do it over this massive pool of people? Oh, I, I never assume I'm the only person qualified, oh. but uh, I, I There's do. There's going to be like 412 of you, right? I think it's going to be a lot less than people think. Really? I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be. I just think I'm going through this myself. It's an intensely personal decision. The politics, mm -hmm. the culture is so nasty right now. Mm -hmm. People have families. People have to consider what they want. Um, and you want to look who else is out there, too. I mean, no sane person would run for president. Right? Really? Why? No sane person wouldn't think about it if they had right. a shot right now because of how bad things are in this country. Mm -hmm. But I just think, having been mayor, I know how much of a sacrifice it is to your life. Mm -hmm. You know, you, uh, I love it. Um, I'm glad I'm doing it. But you really have to carve out your time to, with your loved ones, with your friends, with your family. Mm -hmm. uh, it's an intense seven-day-a-week so job. why would you want to do it? Because this country is in such bad shape. Because mm -hmm. I worry about the country I'll leave my daughter behind. Because mm -hmm. I worry whether America will lead in this world again. Um, and I wonder whether my fellow Americans will have a shot at a better life. And mm -hmm. I'm really worried they won't. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what propels me. And what makes me 
qualified is I think, you know, mayors do run big things. Like I said, I don't have to be educated about international trade. Mm -hmm. um, I know that from the dock workers who feed their families in the port of LA with together with Long Beach, 40% of all the goods come into America. Mm -hmm. um, when heads of state are traveling, they come here, you know, Justin Trudeau and I sit down because more Canadians live in LA than any city outside of Canada and mm -hmm. Prime Minister of Spain. And, you know, we engage in international relations instinctively. Mm -hmm. You're um, not saying you can see Russia from your backyard, right? Oh, no, no, I've got okay. really good equipment. Okay, I've, I've good. got this drone I can okay. send up. I can absolutely see it. All right, okay, it. all right, okay. And, that didn't and, work out well for Sarah. No, it didn't. You know, I've, I've spent time, uh, 12 and a half years as an intelligence officer in the Navy. Um, mm -hmm teach international relations. I know kind of the, the, the global picture, um, but I really am interested in accomplishing things. And I don't mm -hmm. think that that's what this president came in. And I, I don't, I think we're too often as Democrats interested in winning now or yelling mm -hmm. back. Mm -hmm. And most people have a pretty good sense. I've never won an election by talking. I've always won it by listening. And I think most Americans, mm -hmm. most Americans, not all activists, but most Americans feel nobody's listening to them right now. Right. And by true. instinct, mayors, do that because I don't know if you saw the quote that Mitch Landry said when um, he was asked recently. Um, when Another Jeff, possible candidate. And a great friend, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I hope he will consider it. Jeff Flake was you know, confronted by the survivor mm -hmm. uh, in the Senate. And, like, that was pretty intense. Mm -hmm. And his line was, no, that's like eight or nine times on the way to getting milk when you're mayor. <laughs> yes, so we, we kind of know the rough yeah. and tumble of things. Yeah. But I think we stay optimistic enough because we see manifest concrete changes mm -hmm. in our cities every day. How do you fight against Trump then? Because I think he's much more popular than people realize, I think. Oh, yeah. No, he is. P people who hate Trump don't realize how much he's also loved. And people who fantasize the latest outlandish thing that he does or racist thing that he says, that suddenly people go, oh, now yeah. Yeah. I get it. I was wrong. Yeah. Let me flip. Right. It's going to have to be people who say, okay, I like what he's saying, mm -hmm. but I like more what he or she is saying or has done. Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to be people who trust, like, it's not just taking down your opponent. Right. It's outshining them right. and offering them something better. Mm -hmm. Americans want us to compete with the best ideas, best experience, uh, best vision, and give them a choice. And no, uh, we're not doing that. We're saying Well, how do you sucks. compete with a sideshow? I mean, it's a, si it's a show. Well, it's my sense is that there's been two failed strategies, one which is ignore him and one which is roar back, and mm -hmm. neither of them really work. He's so practiced. Mm -hmm. Most political campaigns make the mistake of attacking opponents' weakness instead mm -hmm. of their strength. Mm -hmm. So we, oppose, we attacked his weakness of being a racist or a misogynist mm -hmm. or all this kind of stuff. What is his strength? It's kind of a strange strength. Remember, John Kerry's strength was his service. They attacked him, swift voted mm -hmm. him, and he lost. His strength is actually the perception of strength itself. Mm -hmm. That is what he's practiced his entire life, mm -hmm. to portray strength. And so you have to actually diminish him without getting sucked down by him. Mm -hmm. Yelling back, he'll win the yelling fight. Yeah. Ignoring him, he'll pound you. But if we kind of imagine, remember when Hillary Clinton, during the debate, he was right behind her? Yeah. And she kind of tensed up. Yeah. And understandably, it was a, right. creepy. A, a creepy thing that he did. Right. creepy stalker. You almost need to turn around, laugh, and say, get back to your little corner. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. You know, yeah. or like, or, yeah. or compliment him about like, you know, you're, you're an American hustler. You've done so great. You know, you've been up, you've been bankrupt, you've been down. You have to like mm -hmm. get him off of his game mm -hmm. and get him, show the, the person that he often is, which is petty, small, but most importantly, ineffective. Mm -hmm. I think we really have to point out how little he's done because he's out out there portraying, Taxes. I talked to Kim, Kim Jong-un, mm -hmm. well, what's come of that? Right, right. I've talked to, I've engaged with Saudi Arabia, what's come of that? Right. Uh, China, he has a weird relationship, but it's clearly Putin. He loves strong leaders, but he, mm -hmm. but his, if that was producing something great for America, mm -hmm. he could make a case. I haven't seen it. Right. I think we have to be reminded of that. Right, and so that would be the way to defeat him. Yeah, and, and a lot of this happens 
not over issues, not over debate lines. It's like a feeling, you know? Mm -hmm. I think you just have to be authentic from the beginning. You have to offer a contrast to him because every election is always a contrast to who came right. before, even of if course. they're popular. Of course. So we're not going to have like a fantasy, like good Donald Trump beat Donald Trump. Right. It has to be somebody saying something totally different. And for me, whether it's me or somebody else, I hope it'll be people saying, doesn't America deserve better? Don't you want a kinder nation, mm -hmm. have a more unified nation where people belong and a nation more focused on the future rather mm -hmm. than trying to restore a past that right. isn't coming back. Well, lastly, the Democratic Party, which seems to be in the middle of a crisis. Well, always. Of course. It's, you know, on, as Will Rogers said, <laughs> on I'm schedule. not a member of an organized political party. I'm a Democrat. But people also overthink that political parties are somehow central commands. They never mm -hmm. have been. They're mm -hmm. reimagined well, every two the years Republicans across are. the board. They stay in Republicans line. are better, but it's really the stuff around the Republicans that mm -hmm. have been more unified. It's mm -hmm. the Koch network and stuff. It's not mm -hmm. the RNC. Mm -hmm. And it's never going to be the DNC, people who want that to be the central ship. What I love is I'm seeing this decentralized democratic awakening mm -hmm. of folks who are engaged supporting women, who are engaged supporting folks who have been veterans, engaged mm -hmm. who are supporting state legislatures or gubernatorial candidates. They're kind of bypassing the traditional party, which is too bad because we need some meat there, especially for mm -hmm. those states that get overlooked, which is why I just raised a million and a half dollars for 10 state parties because mm -hmm. nobody raises money for state parties. There's mm -hmm. nothing mm -hmm. sexy. There's no mm -hmm. chit to call in, but they're the ones who register people to vote, turn mm -hmm. them out, help in redistricting, et cetera. I love that there has been there are more, more elbow grease, more dollars, I think, than we've ever seen come in out of people who are supporting yeah, Democrats. And, absolutely. And it bodes well for November. So you're, you're prediction for the midterms, and then I'll let you go. Uh, House, um, knock on wood, and we got three weeks where anything can happen. I think mm -hmm. we win uh, with a majority of 10 to 15 seats. I think the Senate is is really tough, and the greatest unsung part of this election will be uh, the gubernatorial gains we get. I think between five and 10 uh, mm -hmm. gubernatorial houses, that uh, gubernatorial um, seats that we flip, including making history uh, with Gillum or Stacey Abrams or, and or Ben Jealous, women in certain states. We take back a lot of those purple states. It looks good. The most important thing is going to be the day after, though. Do we go, yay, we did it? Or do we say, double down now, get ready for 2020, where there's going to be a five-front war, win the presidency, keep the House, get the Senate, do the state houses, because that's where redistricting comes in after the census in 2020, mm -hmm and register people to keep them engaged and involved. Yeah, that's a lot of work. It is. Anyway, thank you so much for talking to me. I really appreciate I it. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. <laughs> Nair Garcetti, it was great talking to you. Thanks for coming on the show. And thanks to you all for listening. You can find more episodes of Recode Decode on Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. Please tell a friend about this show too. If you want to say hi, tweet at me. I'm at Kara Swisher on Twitter. Mayor Garcetti, where can people follow you? Uh, either Eric Garcetti but on the private side or the mayor of LA on the official side. What do they? What's the difference? What do you want? Well, I mean, uh, Eric Garcetti is just my private account. Your private like, account. So it's me as a person. Right. Mayor of LA has my official city hall work. All right. Okay. Now that you're done with this, go check out our other podcast, Recode Media and Pivot. You can find those shows wherever you found this one. Thank you for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. And thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie, and our producer, Eric Johnson. I'll be back here on Saturday. Tune in then. 